welcome to We Are History. I'm Angela Barnes. And I'm John O'Farrell. How are you doing? I'm all right. I made a little mistake this morning or yesterday. I, tweet, I, I, I released our episode a day too early. You arrived too early, I, John. That's not the first time, Angela. No, I'm not going to say anything about men of your age. I'm not going to say I mean, that. arriving at all is an achievement. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just so confusing. The bloody things change. The interface has changed. I'm setting the date. Setting the date is hard at my age. It's like, I must have, I thought I'd put it for the Monday, but I put it for the Sunday. So if you got your podcast a day early last week, well, blame me. It's my fault. This is why people who aren't millennials and younger shouldn't do podcasts. (laughs) We don't know what we're doing. All I have to do is just load it up. Actually, the hardest thing is choosing the gap in the middle. That takes takes forever. Finding the silence. I've probably caught that up as well. Sorry if I have. It didn't land in my feed, so I don't think it landed in everyone's feed early. But Uh, I just saw the tweets that just went, oh, got your podcast a bit early. Yeah, yeah. It's not the end of the world. world. Anyway. Anyway, you just got a little bonus. We did it on purpose, actually. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So this week, though, John, well, this was your choice. It's quite Indeed. a famous topic you've chosen this week. Sometimes we do quite obscure stories, but yeah. you've gone for a biggie. Um, and it's one of those stories we've all heard about, right? But but again, think that you know, but actually the detail. Yeah. What it is essentially, John, we're doing a murder mystery podcast. It's ha- that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've that's heard that's the fastest way to get listeners, right? <laughs> exactly. We are doing <laughs> Richard, a bit true the, crime. Richard III and the murder of the princes in the tower. Ah, yes. Dead kids. Always good for a bit of light entertainment. That. John, well done. <laughs> you always go for the biggest laugh, don't I you? Do. What have you chosen recently? Spanish Civil War, Black Death. You just, yeah. just got that feel, haven't you, John, after all these years of where the comedy is? This is, this is actually, Angela, this is a listener suggestion, I might add. Uh, so, ah. th- uh, so thank you uh, at 4kidsnocash. Slightly worried that someone whose Twitter handle is 4kidsnocash wants to hear about bumping off a couple of kids. <laughs> This is, this is not a podcast with handy hints, guys. No, no. So, no, don't, yes, so, don't do this at home. Don't do this at home. Richard III. Well, the time, John, is the 1480s, uh, just a few decades before the beginnings of the Protestant Reformation. That's right. William um, Caxton has just set up the first printing press in England and everyone's moaning about the cost of ink cartridges. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, you do it. Oh, no, paper jammed in feeder tray. Refer to the manual. No. There is no there manual. There is no manual. <laughs> Hasn't been printed yet. <laughs> oh, God. It's got to be done. They've got to be done, oh, these dear. jokes. America has yet to be discovered. The Beatles have yet to record their first album. Uh, the first recorded use of the word football appears in this decade. Oh, so, God. So Angela yawns for the next 550 Ooh. years. Oh, you can, I, may I say, Angela, you like Formula One. So, I do, I do. Oh, here so, we go. Here we go. I can hear it now. This is cars going round and round. Well, the car that's in front is still in front. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently actually I'm about looks like I'm about to strip, but I'm not, oh. no, I've got my got oh, my Formula One T-shirt on. John. Okay, so, yeah, thank you for lifting up your talking. jumper on the internet. <laughs> Frightened him there for a <laughs> second. No, it's like, what's it? Have I gone to the wrong website? Uh, so let's go back to say I'm not going back too far, Angela, because this okay. is me, me leading on You're this not one. Me. <laughs> no, it's me leading on this one. I'm the one who suggested this one. So we're going to go back to 1461, and that's Wait. when Edward the Fourth got to the throne. But everyone was getting a bit exasperated. It's like, oh, no, it's still the Middle Ages. I can't believe it. It feels like they've been going on forever. <laughs> it did go on forever, the Middle Ages. They do. And it's like, oh, God, barons squabble with king. Next century, king argues with barons. I tell you, I'm ready for something else now. Yeah. And what, what are these ages in the middle of anyway? What, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. There must be something, something interesting that comes after this. Well, apparently they've got this thing on the continent called the Renaissance, all new learning Ooh. and art and poetry and interesting architecture. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That sounds a bit much. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yes. Sorry, I'm just taking the piss out of people in the Middle Ages. War of the Roses. People have heard of that, right? Yeah, War of the yeah. Roses, that's been going at this point for three decades. So, um, so called because Edward III got a big tin of Cadbury's roses and his eldest son ate all the nice ones. Just left the strawberry creams, John. Is I mean, it? rude. No. An- Angela, I'm sure you know the real reason it was called the War of the I Roses. I do, John. I do. Well, I mean, we haven't got time to go into the whole War of yeah. the Roses because that's not what this podcast is about. We haven't done one on the War of the Roses. And no, probably won't. Probably won't. Yeah. Um, but uh, So it's called the War of the Roses because you have the Red Rose of Lancashire and the White Rose of Yorkshire, yep. the emblems to represent the yeah. two uh, yeah. houses. And um, it all sort of started, didn't it? I'm just saying, I'm just brief, yep. you know, turbulence. Really, after the death of Edward III, it all sort of started with a bit of turbulent. You had um, Henry IV overthrew Richard II and there was all these sort of rubbish kings. And then you ended up with Henry VI, who was um, mad as, uh, sort mad of mentally as a box ill. Yeah. Yeah, that's my way of putting it, John. Um, <laughs> I haven't been on the same courses as you. <laughs> married to Margaret of Anjou, Anjou, right. Anjou, 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 Anjou. Um, who sort of yeah. made the decisions, really. And so then you had Richard, Duke of York, who's not Richard III, um, but Richard, Duke of York, who got made Lord Protector, didn't he, while Henry VI was mentally ill, I think, yeah. and, and then kind of decided, well, actually, I quite like to be king, and I think I deserve it more than he does. And so then that's where there became this sort of Henry and Margaret with the Lancastrians, Richard, Duke of York, the York, Yorkists, and yeah. that's where the War of the Roses sort of began. Yeah, yeah. It was, wasn't called Basically. War of the Roses back then. That was a rather romantic name popularised by Sir Walter Scott in 1829, although apparently not coined by him. I used to, um, I remember when I was working in the comedy writing teams in the uh, 80s, and the Labour Party brought in the Red Rose as its logo. It was this Yorkshireman, and the one was, oh, John, John, why has the Labour Party got a Red Rose? No one is Yorkshire is going to vote for them if they've got a Red Rose. It's the White Rose of Yorkshire. So, oh, Laurie, no one cares, mate. No one cares about the <laughs> It's war. a long time the, ago. The War of the Roses is over. Let it go. <laughs> But, you yeah. lost. Get over it. Yeah, exactly. You lost. Yeah. Um, so, um, yes, as uh, that's as much as we're going to say about the War of the Roses. Uh, we haven't done a podcast on that and we can't even no. recommend a book, book on it. So Google it. Google Ask it. your boring uncle who's on the pub quiz team. <laughs> <laughs> but whenever I study this period of history, Angela, it's always like, I don't know if you know that this is within your sort of um, frame of reference. It, it probably isn't. It's but not beyond my the sort fringe, of wheelhouse, really, this period. Beyond, so... the, beyond the fringe, Shakespeare sketch. This, I used to have it on vinyl when I was a kid. And it's like, oh, yeah. get thee to Gloucester, Essex. Do thee to Wessex, Exeter. Fair Albany to Somerset, you must seek his route. And Scroop, <laughs> do you to Westmoreland, where ye bold York and rooted now for Lancaster with forces of our Uncle Rutland. <laughs> that's that's what it's like. It's like... <laughs> Like, yeah, why is nobody? Why is no one called Jim or <laughs> Bob? Get, get, get ye to Lancaster, Bob. There to meet yeah, with exactly. Jim. I mean, even when I was doing the research for this, Richard is called Gloucester or Richard of York, who's not the same person as the Duke of York. Duke of York. It's very confusing. It's very yeah. confusing. You've got Richard of York and then Richard Duke of York, yeah, two different people. But we'll do yeah. our best. But okay. we're talking about Richard of York, gave battle in vain, rainbow guy. Yeah. Um, born um, in fourteen fifty-two. Yes. Uh, he is the 11th of 12 children. Yeah, so sort of surprising he inherited the throne, actually. Well, inherits a strong word, isn't it, John? <laughs> okay, nicked it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so in 1461, Richard's big brother, Edward IV, becomes king and loses it, loses the crown briefly for a year or so. Very careless, but there was a civil war going on. 
Well, they, this is this battle, isn't it? Because Edward the Fourth is the son of Richard, Duke of York, who is fighting against Henry and Margaret. So the king's sort of it goes between him and Henry the Sixth. You, 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 yeah. you had to be there. Yeah, it's confusing. <laughs> Whenever history is a bit difficult, girl, well, you had to be there. But anyway, wouldn't it be nice yeah. if all the kings just all had just different names? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and different cities, all different. Yeah, because York gets used a lot. No one's Duke of Maidstone, are they, Angela? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I am the Queen of Maidstone. You are the Queen of Maidstone. So, so You're anyway, the King because... of Maidenhead, no, Queen King... of Maidstone, yeah. Lord Clapham, that's me. <laughs> Lord of Sealand. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a noble of Sealand. I'd forgotten that. Thank you. When, um, <laughs> um, if you don't get that reference, please listen to our Sealand episode. Um, yes. Richard had to flee the country when the uh, Lancastrians were on the throne for a bit. And uh, he was 18. He had to go to Amsterdam. Mm. There's worse places oh, to no. go. There's worse places to go when you're, when you're 18. It's Amsterdam. I've <laughs> been told at 18, you've got to go to Amsterdam, I'm afraid. Oh, no. Oh, hey, no. Richard, sit down. <laughs> smoke a doobie. <laughs> it might have been slightly different in the 15th it probably was. century. John. It probably Slightly. Was. Um, but his brother, Edward IV, he gets the throne back again from Henry VI. This yeah. tussle sort yeah. of goes on, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, he puts Henry VI in the Tower of London before having him killed. Now, that's a big deal, right? Yeah, having a king killed. <laughs> Have a king killed in the Tower of London. And so Richard, albeit he's Edward's brother, he's shocked by this, that's right? You don't, you don't do that. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. Not, he's thinking, I would never do that. I would, I would never I kill would royalty never in the Tower of London. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, if you want to um, know a little bit more about Henry the Sixth, there are three Shakespeare plays about Henry the <laughs> Sixth. Sixth part one, part two, and part three. It's like the it's Good like luck, the Godfather. Yeah. It's like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, get back. Do get back to us about how you found reading those three Shakespearean <laughs> plays. So the, the most powerful English noble at this time was a Warwick. And this was a time when the nobility had their own private armies. So it's best not to argue with them. It was Warwick who got Edward IV on the throne in place of Henry VI. And then when he wasn't happy with how much he got out of it, he put Henry VI back on the throne again. And it's all like, hey, Warwick, the kingmaker, you've done it again. He's like, hey, I make kings. It's what I do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's sort of the Dominic Cummings of his day, really. He was, he was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the restored monarch, Henry VI, he yeah. of, you know, mental illness and yeah. uh, not much interest in politics, he is back on the throne, gets paraded through uh, the streets of London. Yeah. Um, he didn't really know what was going on. And the crowd were he's like... He's a bit bemused by yeah, it all. Yeah, the crowd yeah. were like, he's not very impressive. He can't even he can't even do the waving thing that royals do. <laughs> it's like, that's basic. So for this six-month period, there were... Two kings of England, yeah. Henry IV, Henry VI. Yeah. And yeah, it seems like the Wars of the Roses must be heading to some sort of finale by now. These two houses, the Yorks yeah. and the Lancastrians, have, have been battling it out. Where are you going to set Where are you going to set a climax of a 30-year war? It's got to be somewhere epic. I think it's going to be the same place where I took my driving test, John. Barnet. Barnet. <laughs> Is that where you took your driving test? <laughs> I took my driving test. In Barnet. It, was it because you were so interested in the Battle of Barnet? That That's thought, right. I, I insisted, actually, because I thought while I'm there doing it, I could look at all the sites. You know. <laughs> How did you get on your driving test in Barnet? Past first time. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Ma with only two minors, John, much to the um, surprise of my driving instructor, who <laughs> I think what? thought he was sending a lamb to the slaughter when I went out. When I came back and showed him my certificate with just two minors on it and no... He just he looked at me as if to say, "Did you give him a blowjob? Is that what happened?" Because it was no one, least of all me, expected to pass first time. But did you get a little? Do you get to know your mark then? Whether you have, you get to know whether you have. Yeah, yeah, you get the little thing and the yeah. Oh, and I just I had did, two didn't mark. get that when I took mine. 
Did you know? Well, I think no. I know one of them. I was not. I think this is why I ended up having such a good drive because I thought I'd failed straight away. Because when I pulled out, so the car was parked on the road outside yeah. the test centre, and when I pulled out, I like, indicated right to pull out and drove yeah. off. And quite a way up the road, I realised my indicator was still on. Ah. And I turned it off and I thought, oh, I failed because right. I left the indicator on for too long. So yeah. I just sort of relaxed and went, oh, well, this is just a practice one. Right, but okay. that was only a minor, it turned out. Oh, okay. So, yeah, oh, well, and only my, got one other minor. I, I took my driving test in the 70s, Angela. Can you believe oh, that? Did they even bother with them in those well, days? Well, there's a bloke with a red flag walking in front of the car, obviously. <laughs> um, Past yes. first time? Past first time, age 17 and three months. Oh, I'll get you. Yeah. What, See, I was what? 39 when I passed my driving test. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I took mine in Cavisham, if you're interested. No, why are we talking about this bollocks? Anyway, I don't know, sorry, because of the Battle of Barnet. So, <laughs> there in 1471, uh, King Edward comprehensively defeated Warwick, who was killed on the battlefield. And it was actually a really chaotic battle. It was really foggy. And they they, you know, they nearly called the battle off and had a pitch inspection. Put, you know, let's get it adjudicated by the pools panel. But and apparently I don't the, know what that means, John. But I'm a, sure it's a football foot, It's a related. funny football reference. <laughs> okay, okay. But the, the, the two sides actually were killing their own people. It was so chaotic because it was so, the fog was, the fog was so thick that everyone was killing oh. everyone. But, you know, it all evens out over the course of a season. Uh, <laughs> again, so... you know, again, straight over your head. So, yeah, I, uh, I smiled and laughed politely then, John. Did you see that? But I'm sure there's listeners who will really appreciate your football gags. <laughs> so now his big brother's back on the throne, Edward IV back on the throne. Um, yes. And this is now the beginning of Shakespeare's Richard III. This is where we come in. Now is the winter of our discontent. Of our discontent. Made glorious of our discontent. summer. <laughs> exactly. son of York. Exactly. And uh, if you want to hear about the winter of discontent, we have a podcast about that. Different oh, thing, but, you know, just yeah. a link there. There's a link. Very good, very good yeah. segue. <laughs> um, yeah, Edward decided that his position was always in jeopardy while his predecessor was still alive in the Tower of London. So Henry was put to death, as was his son, the former Prince of Wales. Well, you've got to be sure, haven't you, John? You've got to, you can't the whole take, family yeah, to yeah, You exactly. can't take any risks. You can't take yeah. any chances. Uh, and it seems like the War of the Roses now has concluded, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, although in the following decade, John, there'd be one final twist just to keep the audience on the edge of their seats till the very end. Oh, fantastic. With Warwick the Kingmaker yeah. dead, Richard was given, as the younger brother, was given the charge of the North of England, which is a yeah. huge responsibility. You're in charge of all Northerners, Richard. Just don't let the whippets into the pigeon coop. That's what John O'Farrell. <laughs> that's what? That's what? That's this we'll actually. get tweets. No, this is actually true. It's in the historical documents. <laughs> <laughs> yes, strong. Do you know where Richard went to live? Uh, I don't know. He went to Barnard Castle. <laughs> he said, "Oh, Famous. we can use this place. Use this place for eye tests. Exactly. We'll make it so attractive that people will drive here even when they're not allowed to." <laughs> exactly. So yeah, Barnard Castle. He was like, "I've got a Barnard Castle." Richard uh, was very successful as the sort of Lord of all of the North of England. He enhanced his reputation as a strong and fair ruler of this part of the kingdom. He, he uh, took on the Scots, which was, of course, an independent country back then. He got Berwick on Tweed back from Scotland. Uh, but oh. as a compromise, the uh, Berwick had to play in the Scottish lower leagues. Oh, you love that joke, Angela. <laughs> Again. Um, <I'm>... <laughs> <laughs> but the thing was, he developed a very strong power base when he was up there, which made him sort of unassailable when his brother suddenly died in 1483. Right. So Edward IV, bang, gone. Yes. Uh, so in the next few months, this is when the events came that would change the course of English history, John. Oh, maybe that is a good place to take a break, Angela. Dang, dang, dang. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to send you a little treat. 
I'm going to send you an email, but I want your reaction on camera. So when we come back, yeah, oh, so, exciting! Right. Okay. So we'll be back just after this brief interlude. Welcome back to We Are History. Uh, we're still talking about Richard III and the princes in the tower. And I'm just doing that annoying thing of telling you what you're actually listening to uh, as if you've, you know, had the concentration span of a goldfish in the last, what, two minutes while there's an advert? Maybe not even that. It might not even have been an advert. We don't know. We just leave a gap and hope, see what happens. Previously. They could be advertising something terrible to you. I mean, they've advertised yeah. the Telegraph before. We put a stop to that. But, we, you know, who knows? Who knows? Previously uh, <laughs> on We Are History. <laughs> the king's dead. Oh, no. The, the Yorkists will rule forever. <laughs> there was a king. Okay, Angela, talking oh, about my acting skills. Oh, right. Back when I was 12 or 13, I played one of the princes in the tower in a BBC drama. Oh, I love John's child acting stories. They're my so favourite. Tell me you've I got a picture. I don't know how they ever thought I was going to be able to do a posh accent, but they must have thought <laughs> I was that versatile. So, Angela, live on this podcast, I'm going to send you uh, a photo. Got a picture. I've got a photo oh. of me playing uh, playing a young Edward V, as he was, the young king who was actually the one of the princes in the tower. So Ooh. wait for your... Um, so one of the sons of Edward IV. That's right. And that should be pinging its way through on your phone. The eldest son. Oh, it's exciting. Oh, here we go. Look at this live texting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, that's so adorable. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that in the Middle Ages they had the same haircuts as they had in the 70s? My, my American bad? friend said, you look like David Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, that's so sweet. I think that's Who 19- are the other th- actors? Is that, is that, um, I think oh, that's quite... Michael Williams, isn't it? Yes, I think it is, actually, yeah. So that's quite... As in Mr. Judy Dench? Oh, I think it is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um... Uh, oh, we, we'll tweet this picture out, won't we? We will tweet this picture out. out. Yeah, yeah. We're all wearing those crests. So the white boar was the symbol of uh, Richard the Third. I, I don't know what uh, young Edward the Fifth, but that was my thirteenth birthday. I think I filmed that that on. It was on. Oh. Uh, it was on BBC. Um, it was. It was not like a big. Is it on uh, YouTube? E- no, it's not. No, it was only in. It was for schools TV actually. I don't think it was even you know evening TV. It was daytime TV for a schools program. But uh, yeah, it's you're right. It's, I forgot. It's Michael Williams. I wish yeah. I because I got to I got to meet him years later. I wish I'd um I wish I'd said I was in this thing. I could have taken that photo along. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, he's I thought no longer he, with us, is he? He's not. No, no. But there you go. You can see how cool I looked as medieval royalty. So cool. That that top's pretty trendy. The puffy sleeves. Well, thank you. You I, could I mean, totally wear that out in a nightclub in London, John. Yeah. My deeper motivation for this character was that kids in school today are so sick of studying the Tudors over and over again that my young Plantagenet got himself murdered just before the Tudors came to the throne. <laughs> it's like I'd rather rather be murdered than be have to, have to learn about the bloody Tudors. <laughs> it's always the Tudors, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's always. Don't remember learning about the Plantagenets. Always no, the Tudors. Always the Tudors. So where are we? It is April fourteen eighty three. The king is dead. Long live the king. Well, I mean, I'd only give him a few months if I'm honest. Um, so when we say princes in the tower, yeah. people have heard about the princes in the tower. We'll go yeah. into it a bit more. But one of them was a prince, but yeah. the older one, the big brother, the one you played, yeah. was the new king, right? He yeah, was Edward V. He was the, the, he was the, the son fifth, of yeah. Edward IV. Yeah. He was, uh, however old he was at the time, like early teens, was he late? He was 13, or 12? I think, 12 or 13, he was 13, yeah. 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 Um, but so I don't, yeah, why Why they've always been the princes in the tower, I suppose once he's been deposed or whatever by Richard, it, yeah, yeah. 
you know, or maybe getting the facts right. It's just not so catchy. Yeah, uh, that's Princess in the Tower is quite catchy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, maybe Richard just had all the pedants put to death as well. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it was, um, <laughs> then technically, they're not the princes in the Tower. They're one prince. Ah! Yeah, I think you're fine. I think you're fine. I think you're fine. Actually, oh, I love those people on Twitter who started. Oh God, yeah. Think you'll find go away. I was, I was going to actually create uh, an account of a of a a woman of a young woman on Twitter, just who kept just without saying anything, just kept getting facts wrong, just to watch everyone be correct. So, oh, oh, it's so great to be here in Sydney. I love Australia's capital. Just to have (laughs) loads of blokes go. No, I think you'll find actually. I think you'll find. (laughs) I think you'll find. And she oh, could just God. go, oh, silly me, what am I like, over and over again. Just a sort of, <laughs> just a sort of public service, really. <laughs> I might still do that. Oh, uh, dear, dear. dear. Yeah, so Edward V, he was only 12 uh, when uh, his, his dad died, and he was put under the guardianship of his uncle Richard. Aww. Okay, so he's Edward V, and then you've got, okay, Uncle Richard. Yeah. You like your Uncle Richard, don't you? <laughs> yes, yes. You like him? Yes, official... He's your favourite uncle, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, He'll official... look after you. Richard's official title was Lord Protector. Okay. Okay, job. Okay, okay, Richard. So you've got this. Your job, Lord Protector, is to protect the young king. Got that? Protect him. Got it? Not, Not a problem. Okay. So, got that. So that so the princes were put in the tower for their own protection uh, until uh, until young Edward's coronation, uh, when right. his position would be confirmed before God. And so uh, they get their diaries out. When when should we have uh, the coronation? And they 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 said June the twenty second. And Richard's like, oh, no. Oh, that's not good. For- oh, it's my Zumba class. I can't oh, do that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Can't do Friday. That's book club. Then I've got to do my tax return. <laughs> exactly. It was like that all the way through. So Richard kept postponing the coronation as Lord Protector. I and wonder the pri- why. Yeah. The prince's mum was like, oh, I don't trust him. He's got a hump. <laughs> and it's like, it's, oh, for- <laughs> it's like, oh, for goodness sake, haven't we moved past this all prejudice? And it's like, no, we haven't. It's still the Middle Ages. They so- <laughs> definitely still have this prejudice. Yeah. Because he did have a hump, right? He well, did have a. Do you know what? You know- we'll come to that. But uh, okay. Shakespeare portrayed him with a hump. So we've always right. presumed that he had a hump. But we always thought, is that part of. Uh, Tudor propaganda to make him a baddie, mm. you know, because uh, in later history, it was necessary to make Richard an absolute monster. And so the hump came as part of the whole deal. But uh, just now, to be slightly in Richard's defence here, uh, there was yeah. actually strong evidence that the prominent Woodfield family were planning a coup. And so as regent, Richard had a duty to ensure the young king was safe. Okay, but it, I suppose, yeah, it fairly quickly became apparent that he might have had another agenda. Yeah, And yeah. Um, there's still a lot of debate about this, aren't there? There's sort yeah. of historians who are Ricardians who are really sort of more pro-Richard, uh, you know, and, and believe that yeah. what happened wasn't his fault or he yeah. was, you know, uh, in a difficult circumstance or whatever. It's, no one really knows, do they? There's different sides of the story, I suppose. It's worth... Yes. People have different opinions about Henry and Richard and... Yeah. what actually happened but Richard he did have sermons read out that were declaring that the young king was actually illegitimate which is a bit of a bit of a baller move stretch. really yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and um, and therefore he wasn't suitable for kingship so he was planting seeds out and about in yeah. the world that, well, yeah. that the young Edward V could might not, be not have been yeah. could be king Richard III's brother Edward the King who had been uh-huh. the former king had previously been promised to another bride so Richard was like, well, that was the actual marriage, you see, because he was promised that bride. So any any offspring he had uh, with his actual wife, that's all they're all illegitimate. Um, oh, right. OK. It was a bit, bit tenuous, but uh, yeah. it was good enough for Richard to give a narrative to why the young boy shouldn't be king. So uh, a long speech by his ally Buckingham, 
at the Guild Hall extolled the many virtues of Richard, urging the assembled to accept him as God's choice to be their king, their liege, their lord. And he was like, oh, built it up, really exciting. Complete silence. Nobody was clapping. Nobody was like, yeah. Mm. Um, his climactic oration was greeted by stunned silence. But Richard III had 20,000 troops waiting outside London. Parliament had little choice but to accept Richard as king in place of Edward V. Yeah, it doesn't really matter what the people want when you've got 20,000 troops quite waiting persuasive. outside the city. It's quite persuasive. They're going to persuade you. Yeah. Um, so the young Edward, his coronation wasn't cancelled so much as uh, they kept the same date. They just changed the name on the booking form to Richard. Yeah, it's just a minor detail, <laughs> so, everyone. Minor coming. detail. Just everyone coming. I know you, yeah. you know you're coming to that coronation. Just... Don't worry about this too much. But it's going to be Richard's coronation, not Edward's. I hope not that's Edward's, all right. But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, still be canapes. They'll still be. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> still, still Not, get to, nothing else changed. You're still getting meeting Karen from Manchester. You remember, you met her at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, no, Richard had moved incredibly quickly after the death of his brother. And uh, he had been, you know, really proactive and incredibly ruthless. But in the context of the times, he was killing other nobles to safeguard his own position he executed others before finding himself in mortal danger this was the mm. this was the values and the the, the 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 reality of the times it's like some mafia boss realizing that his cousin was going to have him shot and dumped in the east river so he killed his cousin first to make sure this didn't happen if you know what i mean yeah i mean yeah this isn't a, a you know richard's not the first king or pretender to the throne to be you know, seeing off his opponents, is it? It's no, quite. Yeah. How it worked. <laughs> yeah, there's an argument for the greater good. And that was very much the heart of that drama I was in on BBC School's thing, that <laughs> Richard had persuaded himself he was doing the right thing for the country because having a child as a monarch had been a disaster when it was the infant Henry VI or the child Richard II. It had led to civil war and death and division. So Richard III might have sincerely believed that someone else would seize the crown if he didn't and that he was saving England from another three decades of civil war. Yeah, I mean, who knows? You, you know, none of us know what would have happened. But that could have been his motivation, couldn't it? I suppose that it had gone so badly in the past when they had a child king. Yeah, I think when a politician begins to fuse their own advancement with what's best for the country, they're pretty capable of, of anything. You know. Of course, couldn't happen today, could it, John? Um, couldn't happen today, so, no. Never no, actually. No, nothing like that. So... The dog is not accepting our, our defence of Richard III is not going down well with a with our retriever in the office. She's always been an apologist for Henry yes. VII. Yes. Always. Always. Bless her. Uh, so then at some point in the summer or autumn of 1483, it's believed that Richard III had the two princes, his nephews, one yep. of which was Edward V. Edward v played by John O'Farrell. Played by John O'Farrell in the BBC Schools 1970s <laughs> yep. drama. They had them smothered with pillows as they slept yes. in the Tower of London. And it was only really noticed when the boys were no longer to be seen practising their archery in the Tower Gardens. And yes. rumours of the boys' death rapidly spread across England. Yeah, now far from making the new king more secure, the alleged murder of the two princes now made him very vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, as we've said before, murdering actual royalty in the Tower of London sort of frowned upon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and rebellions began to spring up across the country. Uh, noblemen who felt a loyalty to the late Edward IV, uh, he demanded to see that his sons were safe, but Richard was unable to produce them alive. So you'd yes. think if they were alive, yeah. that's his moment to go, look, it's fine. Here they are. So here they are. Yeah. Here they are. So clearly they're not alive, are yes. they? Yeah. It's, like, it's like that episode of Blackadder, do you realise, when he, when he, when he has the... Uh, <laughs> he has the uh, 
the man executed earlier goes home and then, oh, the, yeah. then the, what the mother comes the wife comes to see him and do the whole mime with a <laughs> waving and it's oh his hand's grown back because his, his hand was chopped off and which hand was it you know <laughs> oh dear so when richard's own son and only heir died the following year his future looked more vulnerable than ever Tolly doesn't like that either. Richard's wife also died and there were rumours that he had poisoned her so that he could marry Elizabeth of York in order to bolster his tottering regime. So right. support was hemorrhaging for Richard and his opponents declaring themselves for the Lancastrian Henry Tudor, whose claim to the throne was via the female line descended from John of Gaunt. Pretty tenuous, actually, his, his line from John of Gaunt. But yeah. Henry Tudor, he lands at Milford Haven in his native Wales and his army became swelled with his fellow countrymen. He's like, oh, why is everyone in the village rushing off to fight in some far-off battle in which they might get killed? <laughs> yeah, well, it's that'll stay in Haverford West, so... I'll pack my bag. <laughs> <laughs> so you have these armies amassing in Wales for... Who would become, yeah. spoiler alert, Henry VII, uh, Henry Tudor. <laughs> um, and the armies would come together, so Richard and the Yorkists, Henry and uh, yep. the, like, uh, well, these army he's a mass uh would meet at bosworth field in leicestershire in the final battle of the wars of the roses yes and the night before battle richard slept very badly apparently and with good reason and it's like well, you would wouldn't you you would well hey it's a battle it's a battle tomorrow shit i've got that tomorrow Fine. yeah and it's like um what's that noise i was just just saw soldiers deserting you to join the enemy side now you relax and get a good night's sleep <laughs> yeah. so he's hemorrhage support all over the place yeah. which will happen if you you know kill two young boys poison yeah. your wife yeah. people go off you yeah that happen. people are funny yeah. like that uh so his survival now is depending on the support of these key families these key noble families whose yeah. private armies can be used you know because like we said before these nobles all have their private armies yeah um and that's the only way really he's going to be able to defeat henry or 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 put himself on the throne yeah because backing a winner if these families back the one who's going to win the battle yeah, that yeah. increases their land their wealth their status but if they back a loser then they're going to be executed so it's quite important with these noble families that they you get it they right. pick the right battle yeah, and they yeah. pick the right side. Yeah, yeah, it's quite an important decision, isn't it? It's like be super yeah. rich and important or die. Oh, yeah, yeah. I go for? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. So Lord Stanley of Cheshire, he prevaricated for so long the battle had started before he made up his mind. In fact, he deliberately placed his troops on a hill in between the two armies and then he was going, oh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. It's like the future <laughs> of England was decided by it's a bit guy. like Boris writing those two yeah, is, columns it? about Brexit, isn't it? Yeah, it's that. Yeah. I'll, I'll sort of sleep on it and see how I feel in the yeah. morning about and this his... whole thing. And then the whole course of British history changes. Exactly. Forever. Exactly. Um, and the battle itself happens and it only lasted a couple of hours, didn't it? Yeah. So Richard hopes to end the battle before Stanley uses his strength against him. And he makes this courageous all or nothing charge directly towards Henry himself. Uh and right into the heart of the Lancastrian forces. And it was called the la the swan song of English medieval chivalry. Don't know quite why, why that's important. suicide mission. A suicide mission, yeah. So yeah. You know, what it was, it was like us knights will ride in, kill Henry, and then we no point in having a battle. So the king and his small yeah. force almost reached uh, the pretender to his throne. But at this key moment, Stanley makes his decision. He throws the weight of his army against the Yorkists and Richard III becomes surrounded. So that's quite that's quite a baller move from Stanley, isn't it? He's yeah. up there going, okay, I'll make my decision in a minute. Oh, this doesn't look good for Richard. I'll throw yeah. my yeah. Uh, now's my chance to definitely be back the winner here. Yes, a horse, a horse, a, my kingdom for a horse. He shouts, 
in Shakespeare's dramatisation, uh, in his final moments. And then Richard was, was indeed left fighting on foot in the thick mud at the very end. And he was attacked uh, from all sides by Welsh soldiers. And he would be the last English king to die in battle. Yes. Um, legend tells how his crown was found under a hawthorn bush and was then placed on the head of Henry Tudor, who was proclaimed Henry the Seventh. Yes. Uh, so so Richard. Richard was the last king of the House of York and the last of the Plantagenets. Yes, Plantagenets gets the name from the Latin for broom, Angela, because there's a broom, a broom on the a broom on their coat of arms. Yeah. A broom. Yeah, not that a flower broom, Angela, not for sweeping the front yard. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know there's a flower broom. I'm just yeah. like, like triggers broom. What? I know. No, there's a type of flower. It's a broom. Never heard of that. Is that just? It's a I'm, thing. I'm googling She's it. I've never broom. heard of a broom, a broom flower. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, it is a flower. I've never had a garden, John. I know, I, I know. I like the idea of a big broom on their coat of arms, yeah. <laughs> dustpan and brush on the other corner. Um, so Henry denied any immediate burial place for Richard. Instead, the last Yorkist king's corpse was stripped naked and strapped across a horse. His body was brought to Leicester and openly exhibited to prove that he was dead. It's like, that's oh, nice, but nice for the local museum, isn't it? It's not usually that interesting, <laughs> the, the, the Leicester County Museum. But we've got a dead king fridge magnets now in the gift shop. <laughs> Get Kendall mint cake and dead yeah. king rubber. There you go. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> And then uh, in 1486, Henry VII, he marries Elizabeth of York, who is the sister of the two boys murdered in the tower. Yes. Um, and so that's the moment when the houses of Lancaster and York are united by that marriage. You've got Elizabeth yeah. of York marries Henry Tudor and thus the War of the Roses is ended. Sort of, Angela, sort of. Oh. One chancer who understandably wasn't particularly wild about having the name Lambert Simnel. Lambert Simnel. Uh, he said, oh, I hate this name. I'm going to say I'm the Earl of Warwick. That sounds better. <laughs> so he, um, yeah, he said he was at the Earl of Warwick and he um, went to declare himself, you know, as a, as a, as a powerful noble. And he tried to start, start another rebellion. Right. But the only flaw, really, in, in Lambert's cunning plan is that Henry already had the real Earl of Warwick safely locked up in the Tower of London. So if you're going to turn up and go, hey, I'm the Earl of Warwick, it's a bit yeah. Spartacus situation. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm the Earl of Warwick. No, I'm the Earl of Warwick. Yeah. Um, so Henry, obviously knowing he wasn't the real Earl of Warwick because he got him locked up, has yeah. him paraded around the streets of the capital just to show the hollowness of this pretender's yeah. claim. And, of and this. people, you know, didn't want to have a King Lambert the first. So... Um, Henry succeeded. Oh, John, John, if he's a king, would he have a butler? And then they could be a crime-fighting duo called Lambert and Butler. <laughs> that would, that's Joe Goldust. Hey? Oh, if only I was writing my I history book now. That. If I was writing my history book now, that joke would have been straight in there. <laughs> <laughs> so King Lambert and his butler were killed when uh, when Henry succeeded in crushing the forces of Simnel and his butler. Oh, no, it's not so good that way. Um, yeah. And guess what happened to... Guess what happened to uh, Lambert Sibnall, he was was he executed? He's given a terrible punishment, John. His punishment then was being made to work in the royal kitchen while the yeah. innocent Warwick was put to death. So hang on a minute. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the 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 pretender the one who pretended to be Warwick, yeah. uh the phony, yeah. just has to wash dishes for the rest of his life. Yeah. And uh yeah, the actual. actual Earl of Warwick, completely innocent, <laughs> put to death just to be on the safe side. Exactly. So yeah, then seems legit. You think that's it? People are quite interested with the bloke with a stupid name pretending to be uh, uh, the king. 
another one. Perkin Warbeck turns up. There's another one. He says that he's the the youngest. He's our real name, he's John. A, Perkin Warbeck is another pretender to the throne. He says that he's the uh, uh, Richard, the Duke of York, the youngest of the princes in the tower, and he sets about raising support for another Yorkist claim on the throne. So he suggests he's suggesting that the princes weren't killed. Yes, and he survived and escaped, and now he's back to claim yes. his. Yeah. rightful place on the throne. Yeah, now so, wow. so, so some historians suggest that it was actually Henry VII who had been responsible for the murder of the princes in the tower, uh, which might have put the king in a difficult position right now because he'd be going, he can't possibly be Richard of York. The prince was definitely murdered in the tower. Uh, you know, how can you be so sure? Oh, I just am. I just 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 I just feel it. I just feel it in my bones. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Perkin Warbeck was when he was defeated as well, and that was it. The Tudor family had risen from being a minor branch of royalty to the supreme heights of Key Stage 2 of the National Curriculum. <laughs> See, it's all we hear about is the Tudors, isn't it? It was yeah. such a tenuous sort of yeah. way of getting there, really. They were very and lucky that... to be there, really, yeah. Yeah. And the Middle Ages uh... are over, and then Channel 5 did loads of sort of documentaries and retrospectives with comedians going, oh, blimey, remember Chainmail? What did we look like? <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, the Middle Ages. I love the Middle Ages. <laughs> <laughs> with John O'Farrell and Ange- Jimmy Carr, <laughs> with, with <laughs> contributions from John O'Farrell and Angela Barnes. Yes. So, John, does any of this matter today? Well, really? Oh, you could say that about anything in history. But if the Tudors well, yeah. had never ascended to the English throne, there'd have been no Henry the Eighth, no creation of the Church of England, no Queen mm-hmm. Elizabeth the First dying without an heir. No subsequent unification of the Scottish and English crowns. So perhaps an enduringly independent Scotland. Exactly. No Charles yeah. I, so no English civil war, no glorious revolution. And without Parliament asserting itself against the Stuarts, pressure maybe would have built up until all of Europe was rocked by the English Revolution of 1789. <laughs> and then the cry of liberty, equality and fraternity would have created an English Republic, only to have the English Emperor Wellington defeated by the French monarchy at Waterloo. So we're exactly back to where we are now. <laughs> Could have happened, John. Yeah. Could have happened. In, yeah. And in a parallel universe somewhere, that's precisely what did happen. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So for 200 years, people wondered what had happened to the princes in the tower. Which, yeah, just a mystery. Uh, they just know, disappeared. They just disappeared one day. And, the, you know, people think that Richard smothered them in the sleep or had them smothered in the sleep. Yeah. I'm sure he didn't do it himself. Um, or maybe it was him, you know. And... In 1674, so 200 years later, in the reign of King Charles II, uh, there were some builders were digging in the Tower of London and they came upon a box that contained the bones of two children. So did they, A, immediately realise that these must be the remains of the legendary princes in the Tower and call in experts from the Royal Society, or B, chuck the skeletons on the skip and put the kettle on? (laughs) Put them on the skip, John. It's rubbish, isn't it? Just chuck them in a bit. Especially in those days, like, you know, kids' bones were everywhere, I right? I suppose It's so. not like today so. you'd be like, you know, oh, my God, these are the bones of a dead child. Then it was like, oh, more dead kids. Yeah, like, dead royalty. You know. Bones of a dead royalty. It's like, no, that's above my pay grade, mate. I can't see. We've, yeah. got, we've got to finish this by Thursday. So yeah. we can't go. It's just going to be a whole palaver uh, if we yeah, tell people we found health this. Health and safety come in oh, and it's like... Yeah. Going to put us right Right back. Right off schedule, that is. (laughs) So luckily the bones were rescued from the rubbish pile uh, when someone realised that they were quite significant and and that they were probably the remains of young Edward V and his little brother. Um, And so they were formally reburied in Westminster Abbey. 
Yeah, and our the, the recent requests have been to dig them up again and run a few tests, and that's met with a firm refusal from Buckingham Palace. It's yeah, I like, bet it bloody has. I mean, once you start letting us do DNA tests on the royals, there's nobody knowing what we might discover. <laughs> yeah. They're not having that They're precedent. Not gonna, let that start, are they? No, no. <laughs> let's DNA all, test all of them. No, let's, let's do not. Prince Harry. No, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so when Richard had ruled the north of England, he had planned for himself a grand mausoleum in York Minster. But the way things worked out, he was finally buried under a car park in Leicester Town Centre. <laughs> so because it was the it was the historic location of a priory, and uh, in 2012 they excavated this car park, and this is true. There was a great big R painted on the spot in the car park uh, where they dug for Richard. <laughs> Is it, that's so brilliant, that story, isn't it? Isn't that, I remember yeah. when it was in the news and it was just such a great yeah. I mean, story. I mean, they, think, they, they think the R was probably for reserve rather than Richard. Not Richard, yeah, 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 probably. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they dug him up. They found a skeleton straight away in this place yeah. where it had been rumoured for centuries that Richard was buried here, even though it was Leicester Town Centre car park. I wonder why they sort of didn't excavate it before building the car park. You think if the rumours <laughs> had been there, like, well, before we put this... Car park ish. We just have a quick look. It was the seventies, Angela. We needed car parks badly then. It's yeah, like you got, we, got, we, we have an incredible historical archaeological location here, but parking is terrible in Leicester Town Centre. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's let's get our priorities right. Sadly, they when they dug it up, I mean, they didn't know it was Richard straight away. Uh, there was no mm. signed confession with the body. There was no yeah, it was I'd done the murders. It was me for sure. Signed Richard. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. But there was one very interesting detail on it. Do you know? Yeah, what that was well, what we found out at this point, isn't it, that the hump was not a myth yeah. invented by Shakespeare. Richard yeah. actually had scoliosis, which is a condition uh, characterised by curvature of the spine. And so it's confirmed when modern scientists finally got to examine his body. So that's quite something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. He so, did have this disability. He did have this yeah. thing that that has been, you know, it's not just it's stories that have been legend. passed down. Yeah, not legend yeah. or something, a bit of propaganda that Shakespeare put in his play. It was, um, yeah. it was a, a, a medical fact. Because obviously they did the DNA test on uh, Richard and they found that he did have uh, the right DNA to make him the last Yorkist king of England. And so uh, on March the 26th, 2015, these remains were ceremonially buried in the cathedral. Richard's tomb was unveiled the following day. Uh, and and that was he was the last King Richard as well, of course. No king was ever named Richard after that. It's like King John. No one wants to be reminded of the last one, no matter how long ago it was. So, no, uh, no. And also, if you have a King Richard, it's just going to be King Dick. And yeah, no one wants I that. Dicky, Dicky two times. Um, yeah. So, John, given that we have turned We Are History this week into a bit of a murder mystery podcast, do we have to finally solve the riddle of who did kill the princes in the tower? Is there yes. a. Yeah. Because lots of books have been written and there are contrary theories advanced about what really happened to them. I mean, the sort of accepted idea is that Richard had them murdered, but we don't know that. Some people say they might have escaped and lived on or how they were actually murdered, like we said, by agents of Henry Tudor to plant seeds against Richard in order to blacken his name and increase Henry's, you know, what were very slim chances of seizing the throne, which yeah. ended up being realised. Yeah, but none of these are as likely as a dull but obvious truth that Richard III had them killed. He had the strongest motive. He had the easiest access to the boys. And anyway, he's obviously guilty. Just look at the hump. Oh, John. <laughs> so, John, John, John. So incredible. in the Middle Ages now. <laughs> incredible detective skills from us both. Um, yes. I think, you know, gripping murder mystery podcast that we've sort of we've done there. <laughs> I mean, it was like, oh, the twists and turns of oh, every, you, you, 
you know you think Richard III killed the Prince of the Tower. Well, we looked at it and thought, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah reckon he did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not historians. We but, don't know any better. Yeah, but God, I don't think any of all those other podcasts now, they're going to be quaking in their boots. Serial, <laughs> all, the, all the Scandi Noirs are going. When John and Angela turn to mysteries, murder mysteries. They really kind of, get in yeah, there. They really yeah. delve. They find all the little nuance. Yes. Yeah, no, yes. he probably did it. He, he probably done it. The bloke yeah. you thought you bloke you thought done it, he done it. Probably did. Yeah, yeah. most likely. <laughs> Incredible detective skills there from both of us. I think that's probably it for this week's podcast of We Are History. Thank you. I a- think it is. Thank you, AJ Pollard, for your book, Richard the Third and the Princes of the Tower. Um and I also dipped into to, to my old history books, if you recognise any of the old jokes. Again, it's recycled for purely environmental reasons. And tell people what your book was called, John, in case they haven't read it or heard uh, it. You utterly two, impartial, you, but... An utterly impartial history of Britain or 2,000 years of upper-class idiots in charge. So Lovely. Do read them and listen to them. Available in all great. good bookshops and some crap ones too. and uh, we'll be back with another episode next week uh, which will not be a detailed account of Wars of the Roses I promise you that Um, but we've got something to play us out today yes Um, it's an appropriate song from a musical that John co-wrote we've we've played a song from the musical before haven't we we've played Black Death I think yeah so given that this is the beginning of the renaissance in Britain here from Something Rotten the opening song Welcome to the Renaissance, as I say it in the American way, Renaissance. Welcome to the <laughs> Renaissance by Wayne and Carriker Patrick from Something Rotten. See you next time. Bye. Welcome to the Renaissance with poets, painters and bon vivants and merry minstrels who show the streets of London a strum in their lutes in puffy pants and pointy leather boots. Welcome to the Renaissance where we ooh and are you with zombies. So progressive, the latest and the greatest, we bring it to you with much ado. Welcome to the Renaissance, where everything is new. Here we've made advances in the sciences. We have the latest gadgets and appliances. Our maps are made of pewter. Our houses all are Tudor. Decorated with a modern flair. While witches are burning and the wars tend to start, we bring you moments of culture and art. Culture and art. Welcome to the Renaissance, where our printing press has the fancy fonts. That's right, we're fancy and very literary, theatrical Yo, he's the bomb, the soul of the air.
We love him, we love him. His plays are so brilliant, his writing's first rate. His acting's incredible, isn't he great? Rebirth.